Well, hello. Welcome to the very first episode of Theological Soul Food. I am so excited. We have been working on this for a very long time. We have been talking about this for a very long time. I have a great team that's been helping me make sure that this podcast is excellent and professional. Uh, we have a research team. We got a social media team. We got a focus team. A whole lot of people uh, who help make this work. I'll give shout outs at the end. But first, we're going to go ahead and talk about what this is. And then I'm going to introduce our amazing co-host who's going to be the flavor of <laughs> she's going to be the flavor of theological soul food i'm gonna be the man that's preparing the meat she gonna put the salt and the seasons and all that stuff and the fixings and she gonna do all the sides uh, I, i'm gonna do the meat i'm gonna do the meat i'm a good meat guy <laughs> on the grill <laughs> on the grill yes i'm gonna put the meat on the grill and then she gonna take care of it and make it nice so what is theological soul food so i, I have a good statement um, about theological soul food i'm gonna read that and then we're going to introduce Delisa, and then we're going we're going to talk about our very first topic. Um, so, dependency on the Holy Spirit, on the Holy Spirit, uh, in the days of slavery, evolved into the African American dependency on the church as the centering body of the community. There is a question that was once asked. I was I'm, uh, one of my professors, um, one of my history professors. Uh, he he I, he made the statement once that Louis Farrakhan was asked a question. Um, he couldn't remember what interview this was, but he said he remembered that Farrakhan was once asked a question. How is it that the African-American has been able to survive slavery and Jim Crow and oppression and peonage system and redlining and all kinds of just atrocities? And Farrakhan's answer was uh, spirituals and the church. It is no secret that the African-American has been able to survive because of our relationship to Christ, our relationship to the church and the Holy Spirit. And it is the centering body for decades, for centuries. It's been a centering body in uh, for the African-American community. So before abolitionists, before civil rights advocates and before generations who worked to create an America that was closer to the American ideals, the oppressed African-American had the Holy Spirit. The oppressed African-American had the church. And this dependency is unfortunately no longer the case. And as a result, the black community is finding itself possessing a large void. We're going to talk a whole lot about those voids, man, and how they manifest, man, like, you know, uh, broken homes and incarceration raids and even suicide and mental health and addictions. I believe there's a direct correlation there. The spiritual satiation that was once a characteristic of the black community is now a distant memory and attempts to find fulfillment in secularism, materialism, celebrity worship and over sexualization has proven to be malnourishing. We out here hungry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we hungry. Theological Soul Food. This podcast is dedicated to calling the black community back to its former state of satisfaction by engaging in conversations that will teach and encourage us to sit at the table and feast on a spiritual meal that our ancestors feasted on and were nourished by. I'm excited. We're going to have speakers. We're going to have guests. I got some amazing theologians, white, black, uh, Latina, 
who are PhDs, who are scholars, who are historians that are really going to do an amazing job feeding us theological soul food. Food for the soul. I'm excited. <laughs> good, good. So first and foremost, y'all hear her voice. <laughs> Let's introduce my friend, my sister, one of the funniest people I know, but also extremely serious, loves her people, loves her community, Wakanda forever. Hey, <laughs> one. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Delisa Brubeck. Hello, everyone. So, um, I'm Delisa, but I I go by Lisa. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had to say the government, and I appreciate okay. that. It's actually D. Lisa. Fun fact: <gasps> it's D. Lisa, but I go by Lisa. Um, D. Lisa, not D. Lisa. It's not D. Lisa. That's interesting. You wanna know why? Because it is actually spelled D. Lisa. I so everybody from now on It's D-Lisa. D-Lisa But I only go by Lisa just because it makes it easier But I did have someone tell me No, claim your name Go by what mm. you know So, um, But my name is Lisa um, I'm super excited Thank you Pastor Glass for that, that introduction um, That was awesome Wakanda forever Wakanda um, just to kind of tell you a little bit about myself, I am 34. I've lived in Akron my entire life. Come on, go okay. LeBron. Okay, three three zero. West side of Akron. Um, this is all I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a beautiful baby girl. I have a wonderful husband. I'm a member of Swan Ministries, and yeah, I've been serving uh, actively employed serving my community for a good two and a half years now mm-hmm. um at united way so yeah i'm excited to talk about this i am a church kid i grew up in the church front pews usher all of those things shout out to all of the trauma- traumatized girls who had to wear the long jean skirts mm. to their ankles mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the white tennis shoes oh i'm with you um <laughs> And yeah, <laughs> I needed some, we needed some violin music when you right, said that. Right. It was like all the young traumatized. Traumatized. I could go on for a day. I mean, the long blue jean skirt <laughs> down right. to your ankles. All right. So, so, Mr. Producer, we got to do an episode on traumatized church girls. Yes. I think that's a good idea. With a counselor <laughs> in the room, on the mic, <laughs> listening. It would just be me sobbing in the back, just <laughs> full-blown tears. That's a good topic. <laughs> I'm serious. Traumatized church girl. Trauma- or, ch- or church kids. Church, Yes. Ooh. Okay, because the expectation mm. that was there at, to my elders, it was too high. Okay, <laughs> I need them to know. It was, it was too high. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. We're going to talk about that because that's one of the things that we worry about in our home. Because you want to, you want children to find Christ with help. Mm-hmm. You don't want them to be subjected to Christ or forced into or it. Forced into it. So, oh, that's a good one, right? And now they scared for their life. Not they scared for their life, <laughs> or or scared of the church. Exactly. Running. Doing their own thing. As soon as they turn 18. Yeah. Church who? <laughs> Jesus what? You know? It was it three out of 10 
was it three out of ten kids remain in the faith after they graduate mm-hmm. high school who were raised in the church? Crazy. All right, go ahead. A little bit more. So talk about what you do at United Way if you're allowed to. Um, so mainly I work with the homeless population. Uh, my job is to basically get them connected to different resources um, that's available to them in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, I We kind of oversee a few of the shelter beds that are in um, the community. So we hold their wait list, let them know, like, you know, you have, they let us know they have this many beds, and then we send people who are waiting to get into shelter. Okay. Um, so it, it is taxing. We meet, we also meet people out where they're at. So if they say, hey, I'm in a car, I'm in a tent, I'm outside, blah, 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 my team go out, we verify, and we mm-hmm. give them the resources right there on the spot. And then also, or that's available, and then we also um, make sure that they're connected to our community partners so they're still getting that wraparound service. Wow. So it can be taxing, but um, I'm grateful and, and thankful for that. This is what God, where God has me at. Awesome. Yeah, that's a great work. And, uh, yeah, every time I, I enjoy asking you about your job because um, that's kingdom work. Um, that's very much kingdom work. And if anybody has a heart for the homeless. A lot of times, unfortunately, what we want to do is we want to reinvent the wheel. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, we want to do this for the homeless. But, you know, you got to not away right down the street mm-hmm. <laughs> that can point you in the right direction, help you out. And they do it right. And they do it with integrity. Um, and, yeah, yeah, you want to you want to find your local United Way. Yes. Cool. But not all United Ways are like our United Way. They only got one Lisa. I just want everybody to know that. Well, we got one Lisa. Of course, <laughs> like there is only one Lisa. <laughs> don't go to no. Don't go to any United Way asking for Lisa. Right. She's only into one in Akron. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's. What do you What do you hope that this show will accomplish? You know why we're here. What do you think? What do you hope we'll, we're going to accomplish? Um, I. My hope is that. For me, I know I, I hope I gain, gain more knowledge mm-hmm. um, about the things that I do not know. I hope that it bridges a gap between generations mm. um, for those who have, like, left the church, the ones who have grown up like me, where it's just, like, you have these strict rules and it's a little bit more mm-hmm. to to God than just the strict rules. So. Yeah. Kind of uncovering some of that past, that history, so then you have a better understanding. So yeah, yeah, well, yeah, that's great. I love that because um, uh, when maybe that should just be the show today. <laughs> but no, we got we got we to get into some deep stuff. But we're gonna talk about a lot of different things. We're gonna talk about the practical stuff. We're gonna talk about the deep theological stuff. Uh, we're gonna be all over the place, and we're gonna talk about soul food, literal soul food. Yes. Like, what's your favorite soul food dish? And I have to make it clear, dressing, not stuffing. Yes. Okay? Dressing, sometimes a little bit of the, the, the turkey giblets in there. Now, hold on. Yeah. Cornbread stuffing or just stuffing? No, no. Cornbread stuffing. Okay, okay. Jiffy. Because, okay. you know, some be people exact. be using breadcrumbs. Yeah, it, and, no, no, no. And, and not like the, the hot water cornbread. I never <laughs> understood. You can take my card if you want to. That's fine. But okay, I never okay. understood hot water cornbread. That. I had it. It's disgusting. Not for me. No, thank you. Um, but the Jiffy Box mm-hmm, mm-hmm. cornbread. Okay. Yes, that's some good cornbread. Dressing. Okay. That's some good cornbread. That, that, that's it right there. That's some good cornbread. <laughs> now, watch this, though. 
one day, because, you know, we're going to be eating food in here. We're going to be sampling food. People going to be bringing us food. Probably some of the best dressing you're going to ever have is by Mama Glass, my mom. Respectfully? Okay, come on. I don't know, because my grandma... <laughs> I'm just going to say okay. the arm, and then that's it. No. You don't understand the arm? I know the arm. I know the arm. <laughs> you crazy. I, the arm, respectfully. I know exactly what you're talking about when you say the arm. I know exactly what you mean. All right, but look, that's cool. We just, all right, maybe we're going to do a mama glass versus, uh, you know. Uh, uh, mama. Sister, oh, I'm sorry, Mother Barbara McCary. Get, get her title right. right. She'll correct you. <laughs> Mother Barbara McCary. Mother Barbara McCary. All right. We might have to have a a, a stuffing off. <laughs> a stuff off. Uh, dressing. 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 <laughs> dress off. Never, well, no, not dress off. <laughs> dressing off. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, we got a couple other awesome people uh, who worked so hard to put this thing together. It's helping us. Um, so first, I want to just kind of talk about like our advisory committee. Um, so on that, we have the amazing Danielle Wiggins. Thank you so much for all of just being honest. You're the media professional um, telling us what we need to do, how to get it right, and making sure that we uh, are operating in excellence. Uh, man, oh my gosh, Rochelle Yarbrough, man, just her ability to just tell it like it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you so much for your insights. Um, Devin, uh, who's going to be responsible for editing and making sure our music is tight. Um, and our uh, social media guy uh, and kind of our marketing and promotions guy, Jeremy Seeden. Thank you so much mm-hmm. for all the time that you dedicate. Oh, that logo is amazing. I love it. Oh, my God. I can't wait till everybody sees it. And uh, someone who you will hear some a lot. Of, uh, you should hear about hear from a lot. Uh, one of my oldest longtime friends. We've been friends for 30 years. Wow. Yeah, man. <laughs> I'm blessed like that. I got friends. I got at least 10 friends. We've all been friends for at least 30 years. That's awesome. It's an amazing thing, man. But anyway, Dan Barton, uh, he's actually our uh, researcher. Um, so a lot of this information is not uh, information mine, but he's just, hey, here. <laughs> I, I look stuff up. I ask him to look stuff up. He'll get it and bring it to us. So, man, so we're, going to, we're working really hard to uh, make this something that is very valuable so, are you ready to get into this? I'm ready to get into this. All right. So, the culture is displaying a lack of confidence in the traditional black church. <laughs> kind of like what we was talking for the reasons that we talked about earlier. Yeah. And what Heavy I mean. <laughs> so, and, and so, what's happening, and this is thanks to Dan, courtesy of Dan Barton. Um, you know, he did a little research for me. So what's happening is we're noticing that certain churches are doing okay. Across the board, churches are down in the West, in America, across the board. Numbers are down. Um, visitations are down. But there are certain churches that are holding steady. And those churches that are holding steady are kind of your younger, mm-hmm. more contemporary churches. Um, those are kind of holding steady. Those are the only churches that are really experiencing growth. And also, um, a lot of your charismatic Pentecostal churches, Mm -hmm. um, they're holding steady, but some of your traditional denominations, they are not. 
they're seeing decline, mm-hmm. a lot of decline. Um, so what we're seeing is people are not really feeling the traditional church that much anymore. Y'all can't see my face. <laughs> why do you think that is? If y'all can see her face, why do you think that is? Or well, give your commentary. Because people are tired. Okay. When it goes, so going back to rule setting, mm-hmm. and a lot of the rules for the traditional church was set by men, Ooh, right? Okay. From their understanding of what they thought the Bible was. Mm-hmm. So you have this generation growing up thinking that you sneeze wrong and you're going to hell. Mm. Everything is going to send you (laughs) not to the pearly gates, (laughs) but the fire gates. So when you get to a certain age and you started really experiencing life outside of the church, whether it's work, relationships, and all those other things, it's almost like, oh my God, I was not prepared for this. So you're scared out of your mind. Mm Mm-hmm. Or it's almost like you take you taste freedom, mm. and so then it's like once you taste that, why why would I go back to you telling me that I blinked too too fast at this man? Now I'm I'm I didn't sign my I'm sign my fate. So yeah, blink too fast, Jezebel. <laughs> yeah, Jezebel. <laughs> Jezebel spirit. That red lipstick is too red. You know. Yeah. So I. That's my that that's my perspective. Yeah. But but it's also something that I did experience like I experienced. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think on the micro level what you're explaining is the practical experience that a lot of young African American Christians experience, mm-hmm. especially if they do come from a tradition that is very legalistic. Now the crazy thing is that did not start 30 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of that legalism has been there going back to the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like your generation, yep. millennials, just, Come on. <laughs> just like in almost every other arena mm-hmm. have said, we don't have to take this. Like, right. we don't have to. Like, y'all, your generation is a generation that's saying, we don't have to stay at a job 40 years we don't like. It, okay. <laughs> Your generation is like, we don't have to, we don't have to be forcibly, forcibly made uncomfortable. So we're going to, we're going to step to the side and just kind of figure it out. Right. Knuck if you buck. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like that. I have seen so like so many changes speaking to as far as the job thing, like for the longest time, it was always instilled in me. Work where you work for as long as possible, as long as you're getting your money, mm-hmm. no matter what the working conditions are. Now it's like, no, if I'm uncomfortable, I'm out. And then I'll figure out stability afterwards. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah. So you said something that is very, very important. You said uh, what you hope to get out of this. And it's like to bridge the gap between generations. Mm-hmm. So what is missing and y'all know, if y'all don't know, I love history. I'm actually currently working on my Master of Arts in Christian Theology and History. I love history so much. People like, you're weird because you love history. I, love, I could talk history for hours. Um, and the reason I love history is because I like how, it, it just fascinates me how everything that is present mm-hmm. is connected to something in the past. 
So it's like I look at you mm-hmm. and the reality is you have what eight great grandparents that all had a life mm-hmm. that all had a personality they had a life experience from infancy up to adulthood up to bearing children and it fascinates me mm-hmm. that they're all eight of those people who are your great grandparents mm-hmm. are the reason you're here <laughs> come on y'all did a good job <laughs> <laughs> that stuff fascinates me. So I love to hear history. I love to hear how did we get here? Right. How do we get to this place? Right. So, you know, we're going to talk a little bit, a lot about history on this broadcast. Um, but the thing is, you know, what is being rejected is mm-hmm. grandma's religion. Yep. Grandma's religion is being rejected. Yep. Um, you know, uh, the church fans, the bulletins, the ushering, the Easter speeches, the you know the youth choir, mm-hmm. uh, the being the church, getting there at nine in the morning, leaving in some circumstances one two, depending on the church, got to come back. Again, trauma just <laughs> washed over me. Let's call Doctor Glass. We need to call Doctor Glass. Put her on speaker. <laughs> And not only that, then you had to, uh, so that was that day. Uh, Monday, you might have had youth choir rehearsal. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tuesdays, we didn't do nothing in my church on Tuesdays. But when sometimes Tuesday, I have people say Tuesdays was go to the church and clean up day. Mm -hmm. Um, Wednesday was Bible study. Prayer meeting, Bible study. Thursday was adult choir rehearsal. So if you had a parent that was in the choir, you had to sit there and be good. Mm Mm-hmm. Even though we would, me and my friends, we would go run off and be bad in church. And Friday was prior program somewhere. Yep, a youth program or something. <clears throat> youth night. Mm, youth night. What is it? Y'all could be anywhere, but y'all here mm-hmm. off the streets. <laughs> and Saturday was usually a uh, the, the Saturday was the day of rest for us. It was supposed to be, <laughs> <laughs> but. I got to throw mom working on when mom would be at work. She would get off of work and then she would be working on the program. Ah, getting it ready, yeah, running yeah, to yeah, Kinko's, yeah. printing it off. Yeah. Getting, you know, and then we got to sit there and fold. Yeah. So it's supposed to be, but it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to be the rest. And then Sunday, of course, we repeat the whole process all over again. So, yeah, we rejecting grandma's church. We're mm-hmm. rejecting the religion of grandma. Um, and I think the main reason, uh, well, there's a lot of reasons we're going to get into but a lot of it was we just did not understand the why. Mm-hmm. We were given the what, but we did not know the why. And by not knowing the why, it made it so we were what was more in our life. And this is my experience. What was more in our life was church yeah. more than Christ. Right. You know, yeah. I was a churchian. One hundred percent. I was a churchian. I wasn't a Christian. I was a churchian. I had no idea why Jesus Christ went on the cross and died for our sins. I'm like, hold on. <laughs> died for my sins? Well, that makes no sense to me. Mm-hmm. But I have to accept that because that's my faith. That's my religion. I have no idea what this pastor's talking about, what he's preaching. I have no idea what he's saying. And this is why one of my greatest compliments to Lisa, oh my gosh, one of my greatest compliments is when kids come up to me and say, I love your messages. I love how you preach. Yeah, I love that. Because Growing up, I didn't have that. Mm-hmm. And this is no shot to the pastors I had. It's just the reality. The reality is, you know, we were coming out of the age where children 
were really just supposed to be seen and not heard. Right. That was the way of America all up until, you know, middle, uh, you know, 30 years into the Industrial Revolution where children were just still statusless. Mm-hmm. So we are rejecting that religion of our grandmamas. And there's a problem with this, though, y'all, because I know we sound like we're being hard on the church, but, you know, um, we, we just keep it in a hundred. And if you are not a Christian and you are listening to this broadcast, I just want to say one thing to you. Just because I talk about my mama. Okay. <laughs> that don't mean you get to talk about my mama. <laughs> I, have, I have earned, I've been, a Christ, I've been in the church for 45 years. I have earned the right. To say some things. Okay. But if you are not a Christian, <laughs> keep your comments to yourself. Exactly. If you've been a Christian for five minutes, keep your comments to yourself. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> you are not in the army of the Lord. You do not. <laughs> you are not a veteran. Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. I have picked the perfect combo. <laughs> Jeez. I don't even know if I'm going to get through this. <laughs> she says you're not in the army. You are not, okay? You, you are, are not, not on a, that battlefield. You're not on the battlefield for my Lord. You are okay. not. Oh my gosh. You don't know nothing about the you know, you know what I'm saying? If you if you don't know Martin Luther King looked like on a fan. That church fan <laughs> you that know. was always creased Come on, in the man. middle that flopped over. Yes. Oh. It was a floppity floppity flan after a while. A- yes. It didn't matter how many new fans we got because they always came from the funeral home. <laughs> it took two Sundays and the fan just gone. gone. Just gone. Rip the stick broken, the oh staple. My but you but have you ever seen like that fan? That, used to be people's weekly workout. They'd be like Right. But that's all and that's all you had. Because you always say the good ones for the visitors. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then and and, and and the regular Saints would get the messed up fans. Mm-hmm. Y'all, y'all fine. Y'all, y'all get fine. these fans. Mm-hmm. Or the fan with black Jesus on the front of it. Yes, the black Jesus. With one. the drip. Come on now. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is not as traumatic. Apparently, this is not as traumatic. You can talk about this when she cracking up over here. Let me gather myself. That black Jesus fan. The black Jesus fan, man. The mar- or the one with the family on it. Did you see? You remember yes. that? <laughs> Mom, dad, sister, brother. Sister had two little pigtails. Oh, yeah. White dress <laughs> with the collar. Oh, Delisa. These are. <laughs> you take me back, man. You take me back. You take me back. You take me back. Lord. <laughs> So, but anyway, we, we, we got to understand that it's necessary. It's necessary that we kind of talk about bridging that gap mm-hmm. between the generations because grandma's religion is the reason the African-American has made it in this country. Nope. Grandma's religion is what did that. It's grandma's church commitment and prayers that did that. Go ahead, sis. It's grandma's prayers Ooh. for me. Yeah. Like when I truly think about <laughs> when I think about families mm-hmm. and the drama and it just be like no matter how like rough she was in the delivery, mm-hmm. you knew and, and you would literally make grandma so upset. 
But when she was, I'm going to go pray. Mm. You knew you was kind of in trouble, but you also <laughs> knew that you got spared. Ooh. Okay? <laughs> One, you got spared by grandma, but you also got spared by Jesus. Yes. Okay? Mm-hmm. Grandma's, oh, yeah. if we could bottle, gra- like, grandma's prayers are probably just as important as anointing oil. I'm just saying. Man, that's a word right there. I'm just that's saying. That's a word right there. Man. So anybody, so we got to remember this. What's today? Today is the 21st. Mm-hmm. If in a year from now, we see somebody marketing grandma's prayers, we oh. got to remember this broadcast and say they stole it from us and so we want our... Uh, I, I want my loyalties. My, <laughs> my royalties. Royalties. I want my royalties. But you're right. Like grandma's prayers, man, because, you know, for the, for the saints who kind of held it down from slavery... Through Jim Crow, those Christians that held it down, they only had one hope. Mm -hmm. They only had one hope. They couldn't trust the government. Mm -hmm. They couldn't trust their local politicians. What education, in many respects, like it was Jesus. It was their only hope. So they will put their all Mm -hmm. into their only hope. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, you know, I have four kids. You have one child. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it's like, you ain't sparing your love and affection for another kid or for other kids that aren't yours. That's, right. You pouring it all into Isla. She's getting the best of uh, Lisa and Marcus. Exactly. Because that's, you ain't got, you, you, she has the ability to just receive it all. Exactly. And that was what our grandmothers and our grandfathers, what our ancestors, they put all their hope in Christ, man. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason we're here. And it's not like it was a empty hope or a false hope. Mm-hmm. Dog, they were getting results. Exactly. <laughs> if Jesus don't hear nobody else, okay, mm. he going to hear a grandma. Come on. Now, these new grandmas, that's another day. <laughs> With a 30-year-old grandma? That's, that's another day. <laughs> I'm not going to... Let me not. I'm not going to stop your praise, Grandma, 30-year-old Grandma, because that's me. I'm not going to stop you. But we got to get those grandmas in church. That's the problem. Like, that's part of the problem right there, man. So, you know, so let's talk about it real quick. All right. Lesson time. History lesson time. Mm -hmm. So, the question that people don't realize is how the black church was actually even started. You know, because, you know, we just kind of... There's an assumed thing. There's the assumption that, okay, you know, the black church has always been the black church. But the black church is actually born out of unfortunate circumstances. Mm-hmm. And the unfortunate circumstance is uh, slavery and racist policies. Um, so the unfortunate thing is, like, when you have other ethnicities mm-hmm. that have churches, white Even, Mm -hmm. like, if you have a Chinese church or a Korean church or a lot of these other churches, usually those churches were started as a result of missions. Okay. So, you'll have a missionary society that say, hey, we have a pocket of, um, you know, Koreans who are coming here. So, we're going to start a church that speaks their language that, you know, um, is going to deal with uh, their issues as refugees or as immigrants or whatever. So that's why we usually have churches of certain ethnicities. It's a result of mission societies. Mm -hmm. For the African-American, we were slaves. And as slaves, uh, you know, we'll get into this a lot. Um, But as slaves, we were 
taken to church, mm-hmm. and there was a slave section in the church. All right, interesting tidbit. You know the church finger. Yeah, you put that one up, and that was your permission to get up. And yeah, move. exactly. Okay, so that's where it comes from. And we still, you know, in the traditional church, people still be doing that, throwing that finger in the air. But you know, you had your slave section. And if a slave had to go to the bathroom, they had to get permission from their master who was mm-hmm. in the service. So what they would do is they would put their finger in the air mm-hmm. and the master would basically nod their head like you can you can be excused. Mm-hmm. And they had to keep that finger in the air until they left the room to show that they were given permission mm-hmm. to go to the bathroom. Man. Wakanda. Right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, so what happened, though, is Africans... Former Africans and, you know, now African slaves, there was something to Christ. Mm -hmm. There was something to Christ. There was something very familiar to Christ, but not the one they were getting in church. Okay. So what they would do is the slaves, they would go to church. You know, they would go to the church of their slave masters. And they were intrigued, or I like to say, and I did a paper on this, the Holy Spirit actually began to impact their lives. Africans, by culture, they're animist, animist, which basically means uh, spiritual. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they were into the worship of spirits. Okay. And when they were introduced to Christianity, one thing that they grabbed a hold of quickly was the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit was grabbing them. And engaging them. So what happened is they would uh, have church with their slave masters. And Sunday was a day of rest. They didn't have to work most, you know, unless you had a vicious atheist type, ridiculous slave owner. Mm -hmm. Um, Sunday was your day off. And what they would do is they would sneak into the backwoods. Okay. And they would have their hands to clap if they had access to tambourines or something and they would have um, their own little church services and these own little church services were I think the only thing that you could, we could really compare it to is a good old spirit filled Pentecostal tongue talking dancing like that's they were going in in the Holy Spirit and that's what birthed the black church mm-hmm. Sneaking into the woods and saying, yeah, we believe and trust Christ, but not like our slave masters and giving it to us. Right. They're giving us the version of Christ that works for them. Mm-hmm. We're going and we're going to have the version of Christ that has been introduced to us by the Holy Spirit. Right. And, you know, you have all kinds of journals and records of these types of services happening. And they began to prefer that. Mm-hmm. Now, over years, you know... Um, Racism is what kind of birthed the church. It was what kind of uh, created the formal black church. Mm-hmm. Because what you will have is you have black preachers um, and people felt called to, um, you know, do the ministry like um, Nat Turner, who's a preacher. Okay. And, uh, you know, they wanted to make sure that the they were in under control mm-hmm. because, you know, rhetoric is what will lead people to rebellion and revolt. Mm. So, and that's what Nat Turner was actually doing, but he was real slick with it. But um, what you would have is you would have these, but they weren't allowed to preach. They weren't allowed to preach in the white churches. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, it started with uh, Alan. Um, He was the first to say, you know what, we're going to do our own thing. 
you know. Um, and it was just straight racism, which is the other reason why there's a black church, because white Christians. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Christians. <laughs> they will know us by our love. Right. <laughs> or they would know that by our love, they knew that they would know that we are his disciple Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, they had no love for uh, the African American clergy, and as a result of that, uh, this is what we have. So, when we have the Black Church, um, that's how it was started. Um, but we have to keep in mind, and this is where we have to check ourselves even today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Black Church were composed of people, comprised of people who are considered poor. Okay. Uneducated. Okay. Overly spiritual. Okay. Degraded. Okay. And these churches were sometimes considered churches in rebellion. So in other words, when you look at Christianity, Mm -hmm. you have the accepted orthodox, not like, Greek Orthodox, but the accepted Orthodox traditional white church. Mm -hmm. And then you have this black church, which was basically not as educated, Mm -hmm. no money. We're more sophisticated. We're not all into that shouting and running around. And we are high and lifted up. So there's always been this perception that the white church is on a higher plane than the black church. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, that's still the case in many people's perception. Oh, I just had this conversation yesterday. Talk about it. (laughs) Come on. I don't know if I can talk about it again. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Just from the standpoint of like, Revealing sources. Okay, don't, don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. Yeah, we that don't. Might, that might have to be another one. I, yeah, we don't do that. We ain't gonna put people on blast <laughs> without letting you know first. So, right. if we put you on blast by accident, we apologize. That's sorry. <laughs> we sorry, but uh, but I I I I feel you. Like I don't know. It's it's weird for me mm-hmm. to be able to, which I've gone to both before. Like I've experienced a white church and I've experienced a black mm-hmm. church. <clears throat> And there's just, there is a difference, like mm-hmm. a, a major difference as far as like the music mm-hmm. and the growing up the way that I did. Sometimes I do, I like I miss that revival mm-hmm. night type of church feel. And mm-hmm. then like going to like, like Marcus's side of the family's church is very like you, hands in your, mm-hmm. your, your laps. If you want to raise your hand, that's fine. But mm-hmm. you don't get out of that space. You don't get too rowdy out of your space. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a big thing. I mean, and, and for many people, like the stigma attached to our outward spirituality, which is African, like that's the African DNA mm-hmm. in the black church. Uh, yeah. That creates this mindset that. You're less than. Mm-hmm. You're degraded. You're childish. You're immature. You're overly emotional. And in our culture, where we stratify everything, you know, we put in the hierarchy of churches for centuries. Mm-hmm. The black church was a less than church than the white church, and unfortunately, that stigma still is there. Mm-hmm. And this this is the reason, Delisa, mm-hmm. why the prosperity movement was so appealing to the African American Christian. I can see that because now 
we're preaching that God wants to give us money, mm-hmm. which elevates our status. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's very appealing. It's very appealing to the preachers where it's like, oh, it would be great if God will bless me and take my church out of the hood mm-hmm. and we can build some mega structure. That's very appealing because we're not just trying to acquire blessing for our church. We're trying to elevate our status. Right. Which has been a downgraded status and a, a denigrated status for a very long time. So that's part of the problem why we reject grandma's religion is because of the stigma that grandma's religion is uneducated, unsophisticated, and overly emotional. Mm-hmm. And it's quite unfortunate. There's another problem. Another what's, reason that Africa. Pastor. <laughs> <laughs> problem. Um, in 1965, there was a man by the name of James Meredith. James Meredith was the first African-American admitted to Mississippi State um, or University of Mississippi, one of them, Mississippi schools. And he's decided, you know, I'm going to make a statement as this, and I'm going to walk from Tennessee. I'm going to do a march, a one-man march from Tennessee all the way down to Mississippi. And in this march, I am going to um, basically bring attention to me being the first African American that this is bad, this is terrible in this country. We should not, it should not take this long. And um, the uh, uh, why he started like his second day into the march, um, a racist uh, Southern white man took out a rifle and shot him. And when he shot him, um, he wasn't killed, but he was injured. Um, and you know, immediately the civil rights activists jumped on this. Mm-hmm. Immediately. Uh, everyone from the old guard, Martin Luther King, Abernathy, all those people, um, all the way down to the young guard, the new guard, um, the Stokely Carmichael's, all those people. Uh, they came to rally, say, all right, we need to do this. And they wanted to, the old guard said, look, w- let's let's redo the march. We're all going to come together. We're going to bring awareness. Uh, we're going to redo the march. And there was... You know, I don't know all the details. I don't know if anybody fully knows all the details, but there began to be a little rift. And the rift was between the older civil rights activists like Martin Luther King, which is funny that we say older because he was only in his 30s, mm-hmm. and the younger who were college students. You know, we talk about 17, 18, 19, 20 year olds. Um, and the younger, they were tired of it. They're tired of, you know, uh, we are setting ourselves up, lining ourselves up to be abused. We're lining ourselves up to be killed. We're lining ourselves up to be beaten. Mm -hmm. Like, they're like, why are we doing this? Why are we allowing ourselves, subjecting ourselves to inhumane treatment? Right. I'm a man. I have dignity. I'm a woman. Treat me with respect. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what you saw was the young, younger social civil rights advocates began to kind of break away a little bit. Mm -hmm. They broke away and um, they started to do their own thing. And this is what gave birth to the Black Power Movement. Stokely Carmichael, uh, whose name changed to, uh, oh my gosh, uh, Kwame Mfume, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, he, um, you know, he was the first one. He was speaking and he was talking about black is beautiful. Let's stop allowing ourselves to be identified by uh, these racist white folk. Black is beautiful. Let's, we, we need to have our own stuff. We need to have our own culture. We need to have our own standards of beauty. We need to have our own education. Like mm-hmm. that was the, bur- and he said it in this speech, you know, we need to have black power. Right. And that kind of caught. 
And what it did was, yeah, it kind of introduced us to the culture of Afros and it introduced, you know, take all that products out your hair, be your natural beauty, be mm-hmm. your natural self. And, um, uh, you, know, you know, education, let's go out there and let's be smart, let's be historians and let's do this other stuff. And um, it was a great movement, it's a powerful movement, the Black Panthers that came out of that movement. Um, and, you know, they were really all about strengthening the real narrative of the black panthers was about strengthening the african-american community right that's they're originally about and with that straight strengthening it means that we're going to live in the same way as our oppressors our oppressors they strengthen their communities by bearing arms so we're gonna do the same thing okay (laughs) how many guns you got delisa right now maybe three (laughs) And I say maybe three, because I'm going to leave you guessing, okay? <laughs> maybe three. I have, oh, I tell you, I tell you. So I have three. I'm not an advocate for violence, but I got people I love, and I believe I right. got to protect folk. I don't like violence. I'm right. not a violent person. Um, but I, I believe I need to protect my family. Um, 100%. I just bought my wife a gun. <gasps> <laughs> She wanted, she, packet. she wanted a gun for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> let's go to the range, y'all. Right, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. She wanted a gun. Got her little nine. She got her little nine. Yeah. Got a little nine. Baby. Anyway, so uh, uh, it's empowerment. So you know, uh, uh, um, you know, they understood what we're frustrated about even today. Mm-hmm. Like for them. Um, they they looked at it as a white man with a white rifle or a pistol is a man exercising his rights. Mm-hmm. A black man with the same firearm is a criminal. So they understood that back then. It's like you know we're not we're not accepting that anymore. Right. We're gonna bear arms just like y'all. Right. <laughs> and then they started changing laws. Oh, interesting tidbit: gun laws in this country were. Uh, Enacted for one reason, to prevent them from being in the hands of former slaves. No lies told. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, listening to that, the history as far as Meredith, and then thinking about how it is now. Mm-hmm. And I won't go into it as far as, but let's just be honest. We see these things on yeah. the news. Yeah. Still happening. I'm, I'm just gonna say Jalen Walker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, I it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's interesting little tidbit. That's the reality. I have a, I was at a, a store once and I was talking to a guy, a white guy, and he's he was the one that told me about it because he was talking about guns. He was like, "Do you know that the reason gun laws were enacted in this country is because they were afraid of former slaves getting their hands on guns and getting revenge on." The, their slave owners mm-hmm. on the, they were afraid of it I think what they were really were afraid of is they was afraid of another civil war mm-hmm. between former slaves and um, a disgruntled racist mad white folk mm-hmm. later who later became the Ku Klux Klan I believe they were afraid of a race war right so we ain't gonna take the guns out of the Klan's hands we'll take them out of black people's hands but anyway but you got them now and if you can get them <laughs> Get them. <laughs> I mean, for Before real. they change them, lost. Yeah, man. Get them. For real. So what happens 
when you have this black power movement, which is beautiful, I love it. Um, um, you also saw these young African Americans saying, "Hey, let's reexamine our systems of worship. Should we be at following the same faith, the same religion as our slave owners?" Mm-hmm. The the religion of the slave owner is is that something that we should be doing, and 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 they began to question for the first time African Americans. It was not an assumption that this is our religion. This was not an assumption that this is our Jesus. It was mm-hmm. not an assumed thing. It was they began to question it. So you began to see an exodus, and this is around the time where you know the you know the black Muslim in the country they were strong. Yep. So you had many Christians who, uh, you know, went over converted. and converted to Muslim Islam at that time. For I don't know if it's still the case, but you know the num- the majority of Muslims in this country are the result of that time period. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I know things have changed. We've had more immigrants over the last twenty years. I don't know if that's changed, but the majority back at least 10, 20 years ago, the majority of Muslims in this country were the black Muslims that converted during the civil rights era. Mm-hmm. Um, many people converted to uh, this is when Jehovah's Witness the that religion became very popular mm-hmm. um, in the black community because you know Jehovah's Witnesses they were preaching everybody's the same yeah you know they were preaching there is no racism over here mm-hmm. okay um, and also what you saw was a rise in black nationalism where what's what is what is the religion of our people you know what is the religion of our people and it really became black nationalism more so than let's find a religion of our people because we're not a monolith. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we're not a monolith. We have very Africa has, has various various religious systems and pathways to uh, what they believe is the creator. Uh, so, but that's when you saw that, and we still see that reverberation today. Right. You know, that's one of the reasons. Another reason um, that you know the black church is. No longer the cornerstone that it once was in that country. Mm-hmm. So does it matter? Yes. Why? I'm going uh, to read something Cornell's read, Cornel West wrote in his book. Um, this is book Race Matters. And every week I'm going to suggest a book. Um, every week I'm going to suggest a book. Um, this book is Race Matters. You should get it. He says in that book, the genius of our black foremothers and forefathers was so was to create powerful buffers to ward off the nihilistic threat to equip black folk with the cultural armor to best back the demons of hopelessness. He goes on to say that these buffers consist of black religions and civic institutions. The reason this is important is because in this book, he also talks about how, you know, during the civil rights era, um, he he says that suicide rates in the black community were, I mean, they were almost unexistent. He talks about that. Unexistent. Like, you rarely saw it. It was just like a such a low statistic. However, by the time he wrote the book, you know, the numbers were up like 20%. Mm-hmm. You know, and he was saying one of the reasons is because in the black community, 
we no longer have our buffers. We have no longer have the stuff that our grandparents had and our great-grandparents had and our ancestors had, which gave us hope. And that's the church. That's the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read a scripture to y'all real quick. Romans 15, 13. May the hope of God fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may, so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Not the power of the government. Not the power of money. Not the power of prosperity, career. Not even people. By the power of the Holy Spirit. This is how our African-American community has been able to survive, y'all. And it's time for us to come back. So that's what this broadcast is going to be about. Us getting back to who our ancestors formulated us to be. We're going to talk about why we are not that anymore. Mm -hmm. And we're going to deal with a lot of mess, (laughs) misinformation, and give y'all truth. So I hope y'all ready, man. This is episode one. We're going to do a couple more things before we get out of here. Lisa, what you guys say? You guys said a whole lot. What do you think about all that? I think it's going to be good. <laughs> like, I, I'm excited. I'm really excited to see how this is going to turn out. Awesome. And then we're going to talk about trauma. <laughs> I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. I, listen, I'm clearing my schedule for that day. <laughs> I'm going to talk to my counselor before, the day before. And then I'm just, I'm going to be weeping. Y'all going to hear a loud gnashing of teeth. <laughs> I, I will say this, man. I will say this. There's a uh, an amazing sociologist, historical sociologist by the name of uh, Dr. Joy LaGroy. Um, and I guarantee you that she will say a lot of our church trauma mm-hmm. is the result of our slave trauma. Oh, Oh, I believe it. A lot of it. I believe it. A lot of it. But it's when you pull back the layers, Pastor. I'm trying to tell y'all. Y'all think I'm just? It's not gonna be a cute cry. It's literally gonna be wailing, and I just I can't wait. Well, I'm sorry <laughs> that the trauma is that serious. No, it's man. gonna be. It's gonna come out because it's. I know a lot of people who experience the same things, yeah. and we don't talk about it. So, <laughs> but yeah. it's just gonna it's gonna be funny. But at the same time, we're uncovering yeah. troops. I mean, because I mean, and that's real talk. Because a lot of the reason that people are not in church is because of the stuff you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And I and and the unfortunate thing is, you know, especially for our community, for our people, because we're so disconnected from our past, mm-hmm. we we don't know that there are other options than just giving up on Christ. Right. Because we're so disconnected. Like right. if we were some more disconnected and we understood the significance of Christ for the black community. Nothing will pull us away from it. Right. But yeah, we just aren't there. Yeah. So. But we'll go get. We're gonna get there. Amen. <laughs> I appreciate it. All right. If you look at your outline, there's a question on there. I want you to ask me this question. So we got a segment every week, every podcast. Um. It's called true, false, or that's just ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> true, false, or that's ridiculous. So what that means is I'm going to make a, a statement that's going to be given 
or, you know, y'all can submit some questions. I'm going to give y'all an email address at the end. Um, uh, but y'all can submit questions and it's going to be true, false or ridiculous. So you're going to make a statement. Is the statement true? Is the statement false or is it just straight ridiculous? And I can't wait till we get like our our guest speakers in here, our guests get our, our guest uh, presenters or whatever we want to call them, the theologians. I can't wait because I got a bunch of questions, true, false, or ridiculous. <laughs> and I want to, I can't wait to say, oh, that's just straight ridiculous because there's so much misinformation out there on all these dag on social medias. And I said that like I was an old person, social medias. <laughs> Showing your age, Pastor. Um, I'm just saying. On all these social media <laughs> platforms, I said social medias. <laughs> well, at least I don't say the book, the Facebook, um, <laughs> the book face, <laughs> the book face. Uh, but anyway, uh, so we're gonna start it off, and then we're gonna uh, we don't have a soul food of the week this week. We're gonna wait prior next one. We're gonna have some soul food in here. We're gonna taste test some stuff, and if y'all want to bring us some soul food ever, yeah, go ahead and do that. We'll talk about it, and if it's good, we're going to give you a holla. If not, then we just going to um, pray. Right. We're going to do the benediction. Right. Don't be in the room, because my face, <laughs> it, it'll say it. The eyebrows will talk. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're just going to eat and do benediction, and uh, be done. My own. <laughs> All right, Lisa, you see the question? You got a question? I see the question. So the question is, Christianity was given to the African in order to pacify them. That is false. I now you was holding on to that nugget because I'm sitting here like, no, that's true. <laughs> false. That is false. Explain. Yes. So the truth is, the Puritan Christians did not want the slaves to have Christianity. And the reason they did not want, the Puritans did not want slaves to have Christianity is because two reasons. One, they feared that they would say, hey, where's my freedom in Christ? Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Pay up. I'm a Christian. You're a Christian. You're not supposed to hold me as a slave. Mm -hmm. So the fear was, one of the initial fears was that Mm -hmm. Uh, there would be a demand for freedom that they could not theologically deny. Mm. Another reason was fear that African slaves would engage in sanctioned relationships with white women and want to marry white women. Mm. So they were afraid of that. And it's like, no, 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 because when you become a Christian, we're all supposed to be one. That basically means that I can marry who I want, who's a Christian. They did not want that. So they said for they did not they did not want to give uh, Christianity to um, to the slave. That's wild. Yeah, that's a misnomer. A lot of people believe that. Oh, now they're now. Over time, like later in the slave trade, you hear mm-hmm. the stories of slaves being baptized before they get on the slaves. That, didn't, that stuff didn't happen until later when they figured out how to basically have a slave religion. Mm-hmm. They even have a slave Bible. Mm. <laughs> there was a slave Bible. So they pretty much created this whole system of Christianity that catered to slavery. Mm-hmm. 
But no, they did not want to. Now, here's another thing. The first generation of slaves did not accept Christian religion. The first generation, it was the second and third generations that embraced or came to uh, came to uh, be converted to Christianity. But no, because the first generation of slaves, they were kind of like what we saw in the 60s. They were like, we don't want your religion. Right. <laughs> you you can't. What, what, why would I want a religion that is doing this to me? Right. They said the math isn't math. The math <laughs> is not off. The it's, equation it's off. <laughs> isn't equating. <laughs> <laughs> they, were, they rejected it. It was the second and third generations. Um, and, and many of them, they realized, for, so some of them, um, and, and God moved through this, for a lot of them, it was, it was, it was, it was strategic. It was strategic. It was mm-hmm. like, okay, I will be looked upon more favorable. I will be given access to certain things. Mm-hmm. You know, I will maybe someone, you know, it was just different. It was just a different mindset after a couple of generations of slavery. But no, that is false. Wow. That is false. I didn't know that. Slave codes were written because Elizabeth Key, she, she was a, uh, this was in the 1700s. She uh, went and sued um, her slave master for freedom on the bounds that she was a Christian. Mm. And she won. So what happened next is they came up with slave codes <laughs> immediately after that. So that can never happen again. So this is where the laws are developed that, you know, slaves cannot sue white people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, even if you're baptized, it does not mean that you are you have freedom. So they, all this, they had this whole slave code that was written into law in Virginia. And then other start, states started to adopt those slave codes. To keep us in our place. Wow. <laughs> well, the more you know. Because I definitely, did, I could just imagine a slave going to the bathroom. It's like me and your dog. <laughs> Got a special thing going. Like, <laughs> I'm a Christian. I, I could marry I her. I could marry her. <laughs> I love Sally. I love her. <laughs> and he like. Get a rope. Right. <laughs> Betsy, get my gun. <laughs> uh, uh, Absolutely not. You are insane, Eliza. <laughs> I mean, but Jackie, you can see that, man. You can see it. You can it. see that. You saw like in the, that scene in Life, like right. Life, right. Homegirl, yeah. the uh, warden's daughter, huh. going for Can't Get Right, <laughs> <laughs> looking at each other the whole time. They living in living in close proximity. Exactly. And he, mm, 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 mm. she looking at him, and she she over here looking at. You know, I'm looking at this this young African over here. Right. Nice smile. I want to be with him. And over here, you got Albert. I don't want to marry Albert. Right. I want the slave. He's beautiful. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> I can't. That's, that is interesting. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. Delisa, I have fun. I did. This is good. Well, thank you for tuning in to the first episode of uh, Theological Soul Food. And next time, we're going to get a little bit more into the complicity. This is going to be good. Okay. Christianity's complicity. In American racism. Okay. 
<laughs> All right. That. <laughs> that, that one's going to be a deep one. That's going to be deep. So, got any final words for the people? Thank you all for listening and and, and sticking with the craziness. <laughs> Listen in next week. I'm excited to hear what's going to happen. And yeah. Awesome. And she has a much better voice than me. So, <laughs> she's going to be doing the intros and the outros from now on. See how nicely she did that. It will be a pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) All right. God bless you all. Thanks for tuning in. Please be on the lookout for the broadcast of Theological Soul Food. If you have any questions, y'all can email me directly. Bglass at spanministries.org. That's bglass at S-P-A-N, as in Nancy, ministries.org. God bless you. Read. Let's learn. And let's come back to church, y'all. I'll see y'all soon.